Thank you for listening to the sermons here at Ascension Lutheran Church. Our worship services happen on Sunday mornings. 8.30 is our traditional worship service, and 10.30 is our contemporary worship service. We'd love to see you on a Sunday morning. You can visit us also on our website at www.alcrpv.org. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the holy opportunity we have to be here, to hear your word, to get to understand and listen. Lord, but if this is about me, if it's about my work, if it's about my words, nothing will happen. But when you show up and when you transform hearts and minds, when you give us your spirit, lives are transformed and changed. So, Lord, infuse my words with your presence. Chisel out eyes and ears so that we might see and hear of your goodness. We pray these things in the powerful name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Faithfulness is the fruit of the Spirit that we are looking at today. And it is good to have faithful things in our life. And it's amazing that God has made a world of order. He's made a world that makes sense, a world that does what it's supposed to do. And this is one, one thing wonderful about the world. You know, I, I imagine um, if we were concerned about the way a plane felt before we got on it and we're going, I wonder if it's had a good day or a bad day, or if its feelings are hurt, how it's going to fly today. Would any of us fly? No, because it's like, wait, what's going to happen? But we know that the way the, the engines work and the way the wing cuts through the air, it's going to lift up and we're going to go. We know that our feet are on the ground because of gravity. We don't wake up and wonder, will today be the day I float? No, these are things that we know and we understand. God has made a faithful world. And God is the faithful one. He is consistent As consistent as gravity is holding us to the ground is God's love for us. We hear things like this in Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible. The Lord exists forever. Your word is firmly fixed in heaven. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth and it stands fast. Then, in the very last book of the Bible, in the opening and the closing of the last book of the Bible, we hear this consistent phrase, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. That's Revelation 1.8. Then Revelation 22.13, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. In Scripture, when you see these kinds of phrases, from when you sit down to when you rise up, those kind of phrases are ways of saying, from here to here and everything in between. I am the Alpha, the first letter of the Greek alphabet, and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I am the faithful, consistent one. And this is seen throughout Scripture. I want for us today to go on a journey through Scripture And it's going to be a Bible-flipping day. At the first service, I didn't do good enough saying the references from where I was, so you could flip through the Bible. But if you want to, you can flip through the Bible. I also will have them on the screen for you, for those of you who are worried about paper cuts 
or anything like that. We'll have it up here for you. If you want to have your phone out, um, this is allowed. Um, if you do well in Wordle, please send me your score. I um, didn't do great last night, and I failed. So um, I could use a little more encouragement that way. We're going to look through Scripture at water. And we're going to look at how water teaches us about the faithfulness of God. So we are going to particularly look at verses that have to do with water, and then we're going to look and say, what does this teach us about the faithfulness of God, all the while knowing where we're going to land is with our gospel reading, with Peter and Jesus sitting by a lake eating fish, okay? This is our journey today. We're about to begin. So, the beginning, where's a good place to start? At the start. So let's open to Genesis chapter 1, very first book of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. The earth was formless and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. This is one of my very favorite Hebrew words in all of the Old Testament. The way you say it is this, tohu wavohu. Say it to me. It's not fun to say. It's just a kind of a fun word to say, tohu wavohu. And what it is, is that's the formless and void. The Spirit of God was over this formless and void water. And out of that thing arose creation. Out of the tohu wavohu, the Spirit took the waters and formed order. What's very interesting about the Bible is that often the human being's relationship to looking at water is chaos. And we see chaos and fear. Why? If you think about it, for, I mean, ever until GPS, it was very difficult if you're in the middle of the sea to find your way anywhere. Before the Weather Channel app on your phone, if you're in the middle of the ocean and a storm comes up and starts blowing against you, you're in trouble. We're not built for water. So when you see the sea, very often that's chaos, that's um, unknown. It's just out of control, right? Which is what the ocean can be and what it can feel like. Even when we're standing on the shore about to go in, the big waves, there's like a little bit of a hesitation. Imagine being in the middle of it. So we see this tohu avohu, this chaos, this formless void, and out of it, God's spirit brings order. He brings order, then fast forward, open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 7, and we see Noah. Noah was a righteous man and blameless, and he walked around, and God, after 500 years, said, I'm going to use him to build a boat. And Noah goes, okay, not sure what a boat is, never seen one before, I'll start building a boat. Starts building a boat, builds a boat, and takes all of creation into the boat, and God protects his people over the chaos of the waters. The flood continued 40 days on the earth, and the waters increased and bore up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters swelled and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the face of the waters. The waters swelled so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains under the whole heavens were covered. So much water and this little boat. And God's people are safe in the little boat. God's faithful love to his people amidst the chaos of the sea in this little boat. Flip forward. 
to Exodus chapter 14. God's people have gone into Egypt by Joseph. They've been protected in Egypt. They live there. God uses Egypt as an incubator. They grow up. They become many, many people. And all of a sudden now there's so many that Pharaoh starts getting nervous about them. They put them in enslavement. They start using them. And they're working amongst the people. Moses shows up. Moses says, let my people go. Pharaoh says, no. Moses says, let my people go. Pharaoh says, Ten times, this goes out back and forth and back and forth. Finally, Pharaoh says, okay, you can go. They start to leave. Pharaoh changes his mind. He says, never mind. I want those people back. Starts chasing after them. The people are leaving, and they hit a sea, a red sea. They turn to the right. What do they see? Water. They turn to the left. What do they see? Pharaoh's army. Good, good answer, water, because we're talking about water. Right water, left Pharaoh's army, and they're in the middle going, well, thanks a lot, God. You just brought us out here to die, to be murdered. There's not enough graves in Egypt. Awesome. And Moses says, looks at the water, and says to the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to keep still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to go forward. But you lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it so that the Israelites may go into the sea on dry ground. God spreads open the sea and they walk through the water and the army is behind them and God closes the sea and protects them from the army. So now in front of them is only the promised land. And then the people go about the promised land and, and they're complainers because, you know, when you think about creation, do you know who brings the most chaos into creation? Us, right? Who's the problem? It's me. I'm the problem. That's the ones. We bring the chaos. And so they look around, and we have the, the Exodus verse where it says, we're hungry, we're out here just to die, I guess, God. I guess you just left us out here to die again. And he goes, okay, I'll bring you quail and bread. And they have quail and bread, and then like in three days, they're like, we're sick of the quail and bread. Would you mind sending a flame and yawn and lobster down? And he goes, no, it's quail and bread. For... And so they start complaining the next generation, though, gets to go into the promised land. And so Moses' generation, he gets to see the promised land, but he doesn't make it. But then Joshua stands at the edge of the river, and listen to what happens. Joshua said to the Israelites, draw near and hear the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, by this you shall know that among you is the living God, who without fail will drive out from before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Giddishites, Amorites, and Jebusites. The ark of the covenant of the Lord of the, all the earth is going to pass before you into the Jordan. So now select 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. When the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, rests in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan flowing from above shall be cut off and they shall stand in a single heap. God blocks the water blocks the chaos to faithfully bring them through so that they can stand in the promised land. Move forward 
to Matthew chapter 8. Jesus is sleeping in the bottom of a boat, and they're wondering what's going on. How can he be asleep? And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. A windstorm arose on the sea, so great that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. And he said to them, why are you afraid? You have little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a dead calm. They were amazed, saying, what sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Who is this, that even the water is calmed in his presence? Open to John chapter 4. Jesus goes to a woman at the well, and he is looking to her, and they're at a well full of water, and she's there in the middle of the day in the heat, and the woman says to him, sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than ancestor Jacob who gave us the well and with his sons and flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. Don't you know that I am the faithful one who will give you this water? A boat on top of a sea people going through on dry land, the Red Sea, crossing the river into the promised land, Jesus standing on a boat, calming the waters, Jesus looking to the woman saying, don't you know that I am the living water whom you will never be thirsty again? And then we go to the book of Revelation. At the end of Revelation, at the beginning of Revelation, we see a throne and there's a sea cut off the people from the throne. When we get to the end of the book of Revelation, look at what the Revelation author points out. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. That source of chaos, that source of um, uncertainty is gone. And now what has replaced it? But instead, there's a beautiful flowing stream. In the middle of the street on the city, on either side of the river, is the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. God has saved, has faithfully saved his people through water over and over and over again. He has shown up. He has done the saving work of bringing his people through, protecting his people on top of the water, opening up the water, calming the seas. Through your baptism, God tells you you are his. God saves, is faithful to save through water. And then we get to this story where Jesus is sitting on the lake shore and he's barbecuing. The disciples are out on the sea, and he calls to them, and they come in with so many fish, their net overflows, and they end up by the sea. And if you've heard me preach ever, you know that this is true. I love lakes, I love barbecue, and I love Jesus. And so these three things being together in one story makes this my very favorite Bible story. Could you imagine sitting by the ocean having a barbecue with Jesus? I mean, this would be the greatest day. I wouldn't choose fish, though, but that's a whole other conversation. (laughs) Sitting, eating, and he's with Peter. What had happened to Peter just a couple of days before? Peter had rejected Jesus. He had denied him around the fire. 
three times. Peter is sitting by the sea. Chaos. The place where God has saved his people with Noah. The place where God has saved his people in the Exodus. The place where God has saved his people with Joshua. Reminding himself of the story of Jesus standing in the boat, calming the sea. And can't you just see Peter with his head bowed in shame, going, I shouldn't be around this fire right now. I shouldn't be here. I'm the guy who rejected him. I'm the guy who said, I would never reject you. I'll do anything for you. And then not within 12 hours, I go out and reject you. And Jesus, sitting around the fire with him, looks at Peter, and he says, Peter, do you love me? And in the Greek, it says, do you agape me? Do you unconditionally love me, agape? What does Peter know? (laughs) Peter knows his love has conditions. I'm going to die. I'm not going to love you anymore. I'm going to run away. So Peter looks at Jesus and says, Jesus, you know I phileo you, which is brotherly love. You know I phileo you. And Jesus looks to Peter and says, then go out and feed my sheep. And a second time, he looks, Jesus looks to Peter and he says, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. And can't you just see in this text, this moment in the movie, the moment in the show, and it's right now where the commercial break happens. Because you're wondering what's going to happen now. You're wondering what's the next thing that's going to happen. This has gone on two times. Peter rejected him three times. You're waiting. You're talking. I wonder what's going to go on. And the, the scene opens again. And Peter's hurt because two times he's been asked. And Jesus says again, do you love me? And you wonder, you wonder, is Peter going to have to go up to agape? Is Jesus going to say, nope, I need you to step up your love and agape me in order for this to work? Or is Jesus going to humble himself and be willing to go to where Peter is? Jesus looks to Peter. Peter, do you phileo me? Peter looks at Jesus and says, yes, Lord, you know I phileo you. Jesus is willing to come down and meet him right where he is. Because he knows that Peter needs to be restored. He knows that Peter needs to hear the words of life again. You're mine. I got you. I will faithfully save you. And from then, he says, follow me. And they go off together. And then what does Peter go to become? The rock of the church. Peter goes to preach to Jerusalem. Peter goes to be this leader in this church. From the bottom, 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 he goes to become this man. And what happens? But Jesus, instead of saying, come on, step up, Peter, do more, become more, Jesus says, I'm going to come to right where you are. And I'm going to restore you right where you are. And now let's go together. See, I think the question that is hanging over these texts is this, is that, God, I have been faithful to you. I have saved you through water. I saved you in the Red Sea. I saved you with Noah. I brought you into the promised land. I sent down Jesus to calm the waters. I sat by the shore with you. Are you going to risk trusting me? Are you willing to risk being in relationship with me? I will be faithful to you. I will not give up on you. I will not forsake you. Are you willing to try? 
Are you willing to step out and just try and see what it's like with life in me? I will always show up. I will always be the same. I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And something wonderful, and I think why Jesus does this with water, is that none of us can live without water. We can't survive without water. We can't go more than three days without water. And so I want you, the next time you engage water, in the next hour, whether you're washing your hands or you're doing the dishes or you're refilling your water cup from the sink, I want you to consider the way that God has saved you through water. Who knows? Maybe the water that you're engaging at that moment was the water that was parted in the Red Sea. Maybe that's the water that was baptized in Jesus. Maybe that was the water that was baptizing you so many years ago. But through this water, God has been faithful to you. He hasn't given up on you. And he will not give up on you. He is the beginning and the end. We can stand here in 2023, and although the world feels like it's out of control, we can say, I know it's going to be okay, because I know the faithful one. It's scary right now, but it's going to be okay. And so, today, as you go out, and the next time your lips or your hands or your head touches water, let this question sit in your heart and mind. I've been faithful to you through water. Are you going to risk trusting me? Heavenly Father, what an amazing gift it is that you give yourself to us that you don't deny yourself and you just continue to show up over and over and over again. Lord, we are amazed at your faithfulness. And as we sang today so beautifully, and and just you are, you will, you're going to do it again and again and again. And so, Lord, we ask that you, you let that truth, let that constant drumbeat of your faithfulness soften our heart so that we can trust you like you have softened the hearts of the disciples and and people throughout the ages, let your faithfulness so overwhelm us as water overwhelms us when we stand at the ocean or a lake. Let it so overwhelm us that we desire trusting you and that we are willing to risk trust. Lord, we know that we're not faithful. We know that we make mistakes. We know that we fall short. We know that we break our promises. We don't do the things we should. But Lord, let your drumbeat of faithfulness drive us to trust.